The Public News Service Daily Newscast, February the 15th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. First to Missouri, which has roughly 330,000 lead service lines, the pipes that connect water mains to buildings, including people's homes, and federal funding could help speed up the process of removing and replacing them. The bipartisan infrastructure bill passed by Congress last year includes $15 billion for lead pipe replacement, building on funds from the American Rescue Plan. Eric Olson with the Natural Resources Defense Council notes Missouri has the sixth highest number of lead service lines in the nation and the fourth highest per capita. It's very important, really crucial to pull those lead pipes out of the ground so people aren't basically drinking through a lead straw. Olson adds more than 80 percent of Missouri children have detectable lead levels in their blood, the second highest percentage in the country. He notes lead can have serious health effects on kids from learning disabilities and hearing loss to damaging blood cells. And in adults, lead exposure can lead to heart disease, reproductive health problems and more. I'm Lou Bulky reporting. Utility companies often only replace the parts of the service lines on public property or what's known as a partial replacement. Now from CNN, former President Donald Trump's longtime accounting firm informed the Trump organization last week that it could no longer rely on nearly 10 years worth of financial statements and that they could no longer be their accountants, citing a conflict of interest. Quoting here, we've come to that conclusion based in part upon the filings made by the New York Attorney General, our own investigation and information received from internal and external sources. That was in a letter from Mazars to the Trump Organization Chief Legal Officer advising them to no longer rely on financial statements from 2011 to 2020. CNN notes Mazars also advised the Trump Organization to inform any recipient of the statements, such as lenders or insurers, to not rely on those statements. A new coalition is urging the Michigan legislature to tackle the epidemic of gun violence. Michigan ranks about 21 for overall gun homicides, although the number is far greater when race is factored in. The state ranks ninth for gun homicides of black residents. Mia Reed founded the Charles W. Reed Community Health Center in Detroit, named after her son, who was killed by gun violence in 2011. She says there's no time to waste. There are lots of other great ideas that can also reduce gun violence, too, like increased mental health funding, returning citizen reentry programs, violence intervention, and so much more. And we support all of these. Yesterday, Valentine's Day marked four years since the Parkland school shooting in Florida. This is PNS. Backers of multiple efforts to change the way Nevadans cast their ballots are gathering signatures right now with the goal of getting them onto the November ballot. A group known as Repair the Vote, led by former Republican congressional candidate David Gibbs, wants to require voters to show ID at the polls. Matilda Guerrero with the nonprofit Silver State Voices says her group's view is that voter ID laws are a powerful form of voter suppression aimed at low-income communities of color, which have a greater proportion of folks who lack official forms of identification. According to the ACLU, about 11% or about 21 million Americans do not have an ID, and millions of voters would be prevented from having their voices heard because of a voter ID law. I'm Suzanne Potter. Supporters of voter ID call it common sense election security measures. 
Another proposal would allow voters from all parties to participate in an open primary for federal races in which the top five vote-getters would advance to the general election known as ranked choice voting. Now we head to tribal lands, where conservation groups often deal with uncertainty in securing federal grants to protect wildlife. The Tribal Wildlife Corridors Act would set aside about $50 million a year for tribal nations to implement and maintain protections against development that can disrupt animal migration. Shailen Miller is with the Native American Fish and Wildlife Society. We can't really go back in time and take away what's going on with the new developments and everything, but we can try to mitigate it. And we need to be doing this by investing in on-the-ground conservation efforts to restore this wildlife habitat. Finally, our Jonah Chester tells us, at the beginning of the pandemic, Wisconsin's Department of Health Services waived numerous requirements to participate in the state's food aid program. Now some lawmakers there want to reinstate the conditions. Prior to COVID, many people in Wisconsin's food share program had to meet certain work search requirements. Senator Patrick Teston, a Republican from Stevens Point and lead sponsor of a bill to reinstate those provisions, says ending the waiver could help address worker shortages. Employers are desperate for workers. And so we are trying to get every able-bodied individual that we can off of the sidelines and back in the workforce. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Wisconsin's unemployment rate hit a record low of 2.8 percent in December, the lowest rate in at least two decades. Some social justice and hunger-fighting groups oppose the bill, saying it would restrict access to important resources while many people are still feeling the pandemic's financial impact. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for starting your day with Public News Service member and listener-supported We are heard on great radio stations, and you can find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.